and welcome to episode 104 of Random Encounter, the RPG Fan Podcast. I'm your host, Robert Steinman, Pale Robbie on the boards. Joining me today is Derek Heemsbergen, ladies and gentlemen. Hello, Embryon on the boards, just recovering from a cold and ready to not be sick in bed. I'd rather be playing video games. Uh, how do you... That describes my whole life, so... So what's the weather like out in Tucson? Because in Philadelphia region, it is cold and we right. have a lot of snow. So I was just in Chicago a couple of weeks ago, and that is a godless place. And <laughs> not there at all, ever, for any reason. Uh, so it's like, so after being there, anything else is just wonderful and temperate. So it's been like, it's gotten moderately cold here, and I, you're going to probably want to punch me in the face. But it's been like 30s, 40s. Okay, it's kind of cold. Hey, sec, I'm going to go get in my car right now and drive you out. You guys, <laughs> you don't want to know how warm it is in St. Louis. It's nice oh, here. How warm is it? <sighs> it is in the mid-60s. Yeah, that's that's good. That is Caitlin Argyros, everybody, making me feel horrible about living in the great Northeast, the, the land of White Walkers. Link is our own on the boards, and hey, we're going to get cold again at the end of next week, so it's going to come around. Yeah, it's just Yeah, cold from Missouri is going to be like, what, Wait, 50? It's 77. 30s. Ooh. 30s is yeah all right and uh joining us for his first episode of random encounter is robert fenner so we got double the roberts today hey towns carmarty on the boards and thank you very much for having me no it is um it is very very cold in london at the moment so so one of us do we go by rob and robert or rob and bob we have a lot of different names we can use because robert is one of those strong ass names that has many nicknames we already Let's, have uh, a Bob, though. So we, we do have a Bob, so uh, I'll uh, I'll bite the bullet and be the Robert here. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll continue to be Rob, even though I'm right. old and a teacher and should probably go by Robert. Screw it. Uh, One of you could be Rob, and the other could be Rob64. And if you know where that's from, I love you. I I have no idea. Like, I'm just immediately Star Fox? Rob the Robot, yeah. Star. Is it Rob the Robot? Is he he looks Star like Fox? Rob the Robot, yeah. Hey. Okay, so we got a lot of stuff to talk about today. I'm I'm on some blood pressure medication. We're definitely going to talk about Darkest Dungeon here in a little bit. Uh, but I think first we got to talk about a game that is right now sitting on my desk because Derek made me go out and buy it, and I just haven't had a chance to start it. Let me let me um, let me pick it pick it up here. It's in a big silver case, and I just want to make sure I get the full title here: The Legend of Heroes: Trails of Cold Steel. So so you're saying I made you buy it? So you're saying that reviews actually sway people? I Your review was positive, and I, I think you, Steven, and a couple other people on the site were like, it is a JRPG-ass JRPG, and you will like it, Steinman. And I was like, okay, I, I'm down for a J, JRPG-ass JRPG. Yeah, that's what it is. Now Are this is gonna, the part where you talk to me about it. No, I guess I could. I mean, it's a game... Like it. It's a, a good game with beautiful music. <laughs> you play a role. No, okay. I just want to talk about the new Tomb Raider. Shut up. <laughs> well, not a little bit. Man, the hair in that game looks so good. Oh, oh yes, god. yes. Oh my, oh my god. All right, all right. It doesn't look that good in Trails of Cold Steel, so I'm going to rate it at like a 1 out of 10 in comparison. No, uh, <laughs> Trails. So, like, I'm just coming down off of the high of having played um, Trails in the Sky second chapter, and. So I wasn't entirely sure if Cold Steel would mesh with me quite the way that that the Trails in the Sky duology did, mostly because, you know, like new graphical system, new cast, new setting and everything. Um, I had heard before the game launched, like early import impressions, were that the customization system was a little bit too simplified. Um, In this one, you have a new 
sort of like the orb mint, which is where you insert your gems that allow you to cast spells and have various stat increases. Um, the orb mints are different in this one. Before it was like you kind of slotted in different elemental gems and depending on the configuration of them, you would unlock different spells. In this one, um, there are actually gems that just grant you the spells directly and it doesn't really matter where you slot them in, in the, the orbment. Like each character has a different layout, but it doesn't really seem to matter all that much. Um, so it is simplified, but I actually don't think that the game is worse off for it. Uh, so overall, like the the bottom line that I that I put in my review is that if you liked the idea behind Trails in the Sky, if you really enjoy the sort of epic world spanning RPGs, JRPGs of yesteryear with these really robust casts and these well realized worlds, but Trails in the Sky is a little bit too dated for you, this is where you want to be. Cold Steel is the game that has. It's it still in some ways feels like um, maybe even like a PS2 era JRPG, but it yeah. has a lot of the modern concessions that bring it into the new era that make it more accessible, that make it less of a like it's less of a slog. It has stuff like you can um, skip animations, you can fast forward through story stuff, um, you can fast travel in town by mm. opening a menu just like in Persona. And speaking of Persona, it has relationship building elements a la Persona, where you have all these cast members that you can interact with. Um, and as you choose to spend time with them, you, you have limited amounts of time in between major story beats to spend time with your cast members. And as you do that, your relationship improves and you unlock new abilities in battle. So everything works really well. It's, it's a symbiotic sort of system, much like Persona, um, but it has its own take on it. And I think that it actually works pretty well. It's a little bit, in some ways it's kind of simplistic, but... Um, I don't think that the game is worse off for it. Uh, it's very much trails in the modern era, and I like that for it. All of that stuff is what kind of made me pick it up, Derek, because, you know, whenever we tried to play, you know, that, that little game called Shadow Hearts, which I know, I know, I... I, I oh, I've given up. I know. I'm not I, should I just jump and go to the second one? Because that's what Steven tried to get me to do, is to yeah. just say, screw it, yeah, just go to the second should. one. Because, you know, I love a good JRPG, but we saw so many advancements in the PS2 era, especially with the Shin Megami Tensei series and Persona especially, these really good advancements to kind of take some of the BS, some of the grind out. And it when you talked about that with Trails of Cold Steel, that immediately, like, turned me on to the game. I was like, that sounds really cool because I love a good turn-based JRPG, you know, big story, bigger-than-life characters, but some of the some of the stuff that's that hasn't aged so well, I, I struggle with that stuff, if that makes sense. And so that, your, your recommendation really spoke to me as somebody who's like, yeah, I want to play these games, but I want to kind of do them in a more modern setting. Yeah, and... With its modernization, there does come a little bit of bad with the good. I think that, for the most part, I think the game has a has a good cast overall. Um, I like the characters. I think the voice acting is generally very good. Um, there are no characters who I just outright hate 100%. There are some that grate on me. But um, this one, because it is a product of like the 2010 decade, it has some characters that really pander to like the mainstream anime trends that are a little bit obnoxious sometimes. Like... There's definitely the kind of hyperactive lolly with a mysterious past, and there's like the tsundere who wants to go, hmm, it's not like I wanted you to be my friend. Except the good thing is that, in the case of that character in particular, she gets over that really quickly and doesn't act like that generally anymore. Like, there will be occasions where she is standoffish with other people, but she legitimately apologizes to the main character for being crappy to him, and then they move forward. 
And I was so surprised was... how quick she turned nice. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. you it's like, oh no, a whole game forever. of this. <laughs> exactly. So, so you'll get some of those those modern trappings where you're just like rolling your eyes because you you feel like you know exactly how it's going to play out. But Trails in general is really good at acknowledging those tropes and doing something interesting with them. If not outright subverting them, but then at least playing with your expectations a little bit. So you do have to brace yourself for a little bit of that. But if you can do that, and if you can deal with really slow pacing, because it is it is incredibly slow paced, um, then but I think it's... That's another thing that Persona does, too. Persona definitely introduces characters with kind of a trope hook, and then you get to know them more through social links, and they become more three-dimensional. Yeah, so exactly. another way in which this game is kind of Persona-esque, and if you like Persona and that kind of development on a character level you'll probably like this game yeah and i think even uh, the most initially unlikable characters come around to at least some degree um there are some that i was just like oh i can't i can't stand them um but later on in the game i was like okay i get why they're acting that way like either either some piece of backstory is revealed and then that person grows from there on because um i will say that one thing about the plot that i wouldn't say rubs me the wrong way but it's just a little curious is that a lot of the people in this game are hiding stuff that they don't need to hide. And then it becomes an issue at some point. And then it's like, well, why did you hide that in the first place? But usually whenever that piece of information is revealed, um, there's character growth and they continue from there. So um, what I was saying about the the slow pacing is that it is it, it does carry that over from Trails in the Sky. Like this is a long game. I think my final save ended up at somewhere like 78 hours, something like that. Um, but I was really taking my time um, because Falcom is known for having these incredibly dense worlds that are populated by NPCs that have all these little side stories going on alongside the main story. And so in Trails of Cold Steel, much like in Trails in the Sky, between every major story beat, like I'm talking anytime there's a cutscene, more or less, whatever area they, they dump you in afterwards, if you talk to every NPC in that area, every single one will have something new to say possibly several lines of new text to say, like you have to talk to the NPC a few times to get everything. Um, so if you're really meticulous about doing that, the game is going to, I mean, double in length. And I was doing that just because I found myself actually interested in what was going on. However, it's not compulsory. So it's not like the game is forcing you to sit through a lot of dialogue unless you really want to seek it out. But I mean, it just adds so much, I think, to to see all these people. And I mean, like the stu- the not stupid, but like the seemingly pointless side stories that are happening, you can you'll get payoff from them. You'll be like, okay, so this NPC usually hangs out here because she's in the cooking club, and like, oh, now she's trying to find a boyfriend or da 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 da. Like, oh, I don't know, Margarita. Yeah, right. <laughs> oh my god, that was a really fun little side quest. I was it was nice to have Vincent get a taste of his own medicine. I must yeah. say. And that's yeah. one of the cool things that you're talking about is uh, you go back to the school at the start of every chapter and you have free time to explore the school grounds and the, 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 the town where it's located. And you have all of these little side stories that you you won't get unless you talk to people. And they grow and they develop and they you know progress over the course of the game. And sometimes there is a side quest that might involve those characters. It was really like with that side quest I mentioned, I knew from the start who it was that was the mysterious um, uh, uh, admirer because I had been talking to everyone uh, obsessively. Yeah. So I already knew it's it's her. But it was fun to to have that little quest and to to see that those, that relationship and that development sort of you know put up front. 
That happened with me several times too. But oh, go ahead, Robert. Uh, it's I I I've always thought it's the micro stories that makes trails really special. Um, like I really enjoyed uh, watching the sort of failing romance between Alan and Bridget. Yes. Uh, go on uh, each chapter, and that finally ended up culminating in a quest where their feelings kind of started to get resolved for each other. But just you know, I, I wasn't even really expecting that. Just you know, running around each free day that I had and seeing what these two were up to and and why they were so stressed out. It's, it's, it's a real joy. Yeah, do you guys remember um, in Trails in the Sky there was an NPC, Anton, and uh, he was in Grand Cell, and he was pining over some girl. And there was even an achievement in the Steam version, I think, that was like if you talk to him at every juncture that you can. It's like, I, I don't remember what it was. I want to say it was Chronicles of Anton or something. That dude shows up in Trails of Cold Steel in a town and is still complaining about his bad love life. Like, oh, the, these incredibly tiny connections between the games make this world feel so alive. And it's stuff that you could very easily overlook or even do without. But when you notice it, you're like, oh, I know who that is. Oh, my God. Um, and that's, as, as you said, Robert, I think that's part of the, the magic or what makes Trails stand out. Definitely. Another thing I really liked was um, I was looking in the student handbook at um, all of your uh, all of your classmates, and uh, I was looking at um, in particular Vivi and Linda. And uh-huh. I was thinking, oh look at these two! They've just drawn the exact same person but with different hair. That's really really lazy. And then you know you you talk to them enough and run around, you find out they're identical twins. It's like oh that's really smart. I really like that. <laughs> yeah, and, and Vivi is a little prankster. Yeah, they impersonate each other. Yeah, or Vivi yeah. impersonates. But uh, yeah, so I mean, the the story and the relationship building elements aside, which are good, I think, um, as I was saying, Rob, the battle system has has some advancements as well. Like you can skip through animations if you don't want to watch them, mm-hmm. even though they're, they're pretty cool to watch. Um, every character has their Nibelung Velesti style big, huge attack, which I love. I, that's one thing that like uh, I wish they would have remained holdouts from the PS1, PS2 era is like. I love the stupid over-the-top attacks where they call out the name of it <laughs> and they say their incantation. Like, Monado, gathers Buster! Above, clouds part. The destruction of your life is at hand. You know, like, <laughs> I, that cheesy crap. I don't know. Like, I just, I like it. Um, so they definitely have that. Um, and as I mentioned with the, the relationship building, you, so you have these links between the characters. So thematically, um, all the characters in, in um, Class 7, which is what all the primary cast, they're members of this like elite military class that's a mixture of uh, nobles and commoners and it's a whole thing. Um, all, all the primary characters can link with one another and they're all testing out these new combat units called Arcus units, um, which is a big part of why they've been placed in this class together. So these links manifest in battle as a way for you to have characters pair up to do things like follow-up attacks, um, automatically heal each other, and they do that as you as you get to know them better, they gain more and more abilities and become stronger. Mm-hmm. So it pays to not only follow your favorite characters around for because you like them as people, but it also gives you advantages in battle. So it's really neat to see that happen, you know, sort of on two fronts, the story front and the, the mechanical front, And because that doesn't always mesh, I think. Like, it's weird when you play games where uh, you have opportunities. I can't think of anything. Like, you have an opportunity to get to know a character outside of battle, you have a revelation about their personality or their backstory, and then it doesn't really show up anywhere else in the game, if that makes sense. I, I wish I could come up with a pertinent example, but it, it does a good job of meshing all that, I think, in Trails of Cold Steel. Uh-huh. 
I mean, you won me over with it. I'm, I, I really do like the traditional JRPG, and I was looking for something that's, you know, still has the modern twist to it. And, and then I had to make the decision about, do I buy it on PlayStation 3 or Vita? And Steven talked me into getting it on Vita, and, I, and it just makes me realize more and more how much I love my Vita, and I wish yes. that there was more things to play mm-hmm. on it. It's such a gorgeous system. It fits so well in my hands. It's just... It is a perfect JRPG machine. We talked before about how awesome it would be if Persona 5 was coming out on Vita, and you know, so far nothing it doesn't look like it's going to happen. But can you imagine? Can you imagine? So long as it doesn't compromise the uh, exactly the quality of the other versions, yeah, exactly, yeah. And I think both Robert and Caitlin can attest to the quality of the music in the game because, damn, yes. Oh my goodness! I, I think it violins. might be my favorite Falcom soundtrack so it's far. So good. Whenever yeah. I hear whenever I hear Falcom, I just think it's going to be violin madness. Is that basically what I'm getting with this like one? Violin too? and guitar. Yes. Yeah. yeah. But, I'm okay but, with all that. But good. Yeah, it's really good. Like I, yeah. um, we talked about this on Music of the Year on Rhythm Encounter, but uh, I think what I really like is that, that there's this really nice balance between you've got your battle themes that sound like they could easily be in ease game you know rocking rocking guitar and 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 uh, and whatnot but then you also have the the town themes and event themes that are uh, a little bit more subdued and more like what you might have heard in previous trails games so there's a really kind of a nice balance between those two different i mean two different main series that you might be familiar with when you're thinking about falcom music mm-hmm. and the uh, the final boss theme is outrageously good I don't know if you've heard it out of context, but if you haven't, you should wait and, and hear it there. Caitlin Robert. Now, now, it's so good. Now, what's the deal with the sequel to this game? It's supposed to be coming out next year. This year. This year. This, this year. year. This year. Sorry, sorry. I keep forgetting it's 2016 already. Right, yeah. And thank God for that, because it ends on something of a cliffhanger. Mm-hmm. In true so. Trails fashion. Right, yeah. Yes, I'm, I would say, I'm dreading that. I honestly think it's even more of a cliffhanger than Trails in the Sky. but um, That's what I've heard, too. Yeah, so, just in that you're like, what? Seriously? Uh, like, so I'm trying I'm to draw out my playthrough as long as possible so that the wait between when I finish Cold Steel 1 and when Cold Steel 2 comes out is as short as possible because I just know I'm going to freak out when I get to the end of the game. And the sequel does pick up directly where this one leaves off. I don't know if it's, like, within minutes, but it's, I mean, it's pretty much right away. So it is um, important that you play them both you know, fairly close to one another, and also that you, like, you, you have to play the first one before playing the second, period. Because you're going to need to know why everything that happened in the first one matters when you get to the second one. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's going to come out this year, um, also for PS3 and Vita. And then there is a Trails of Cold Steel 3 that was announced a few months ago um, for okay. for unspecified okay. platforms. Yeah. So I'd that, imagine it, well... I'm hoping since... PS, PS4, they might yeah. do like PS4, PS3, Vita. Since since Ease Eight is uh, is on PS4, I would be surprised if Cold Steel isn't at least on PS4 in addition to other consoles. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there's there's more to the story. Um, I've tried really hard to not look up anything about Cold Steel too. So it's I don't so hard. Know. Yeah, I don't know if it ends on a cliffhanger or anything like that. Um, so I mean, it obviously must leave something. Uh, unspecified if there's a third game coming out. But. I would I would really hope it's something like Trails in the Sky where the main story in Sky is really resolved in second chapter and then third chapter sort of takes off from that but isn't directly connected yeah. to the story. I've heard in... that's the case. Um, okay, I was good. doing a little bit of reading a couple of years ago and I, I think people were saying that 
uh, Cold Steel one and two tell a satisfying story okay. uh, and take okay. them together. That's good. But, uh, I I don't know that much about it. And as as a warning to you, Rob, and to anybody listening who hasn't played yet but just picked up the game, um, do not look through that art book until you have at least beaten Cold Steel one. And I I honestly wouldn't even look at the Cold Steel two section because it uh, the the art book is split into two halves. And I, I flipped like two pages into the Cold Steel 2 section and was like, nope, because they just drop huge bombs. Oh, that's, man. That's weird do that they would do that. that. Yeah. Well, it well, was supposed it, to be a special edition. They yeah, did that with the Persona 4 art book as well. So. Yes, they did. Oh, my God, that pissed me off. Yeah. But but to be fair, like that was my fault because in the Persona 4 art book as well, um, just like in the Cold Steel art book, there's a, there's a spot that specifically says... Warning, spoilers beyond here. Do not look beyond this page if you haven't at least played the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they did the same thing in Witcher 3. It was like, please, for the love of God, do not you know, keep paging but, through this. But even so, I still wouldn't... I would advise not looking at that Cold Steel 2 stuff, even after you beat Cold Steel 1. Um, okay. Because it's still... Like, again, a, a couple of pages in, I felt like they were giving away too much about the second game, and I'd rather just experience that all in context. So It's amazing. I... I... I'm really somebody who doesn't like spoilers. Jackie is the complete opposite. Like she wants to know everything that's going to happen in everything before we even start watching it. Uh, but I, but I also don't get too bent out of shape over spoilers, if that makes sense. I'm kind of like, ah, eh, you know, whatever. If, if it gets spoiled for me, that's that's a pain. But I appreciate you kind of looking out for people on that one, Derek, because that's one of those things of like, you know, maybe seal up the art book and just be like, no, seriously, we mean it. Don't look at this. Yeah, that would until, be a good idea. Yeah, for the love of God, don't do it. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty staunchly anti-spoiler, so I will always advocate <laughs> whenever I can mm-hmm. for people who don't want to have stuff spoiled. Oh, Cold Steel sounds pretty cool. I think I'm I'm definitely going to give it a shot. We kind of have to play it by ear this week and see if any games come in for review that I can't talk about right now. And then if not, I will probably start playing the Cold Steel. So here's the big question. Do you think that we're going to get the Crossbell games if Cold Steel continues to do well? I don't even know what those are. <laughs> Those are uh, Zero no Kiseki and Ao no Kiseki, which take place time timeline-wise between Trails in the Sky and uh, Cold Steel. I think some of them take place concurrently or right before Cold Steel. Yeah. So they're, they're games number four and five. So Trails in the Sky is one, two, three. Um, the Crossbell duology is four, five. And then Cold Steel is six, seven, and soon to be eight. Yeah. But but I don't need to have played the other games. When I when I play no. Cold, Ske- it helps, Cold Steel, so I'm going to be okay. Too. Okay. Yeah, it's like yeah. it's like in Cold Steel there are references and there may be even minor characters that show up from the previous games that you might miss out on, but nothing is like you're not going to be missing out on the story uh, or your characters, your, their development by not having played the previous games. It's just it's like you know, oh that You'd guy squeal, or oh squeal that thing. cameos, <laughs> that guy with the things that he does and and whatnot. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And I I. Uh... I've heard, you know, I don't know if you guys follow um, Brittany Avery Hatsu on Twitter. She's the localization, like the production coordinator. She's one of the main people who works on the Kiseki, or worked on Cold Steel. Yeah, she's fantastic. And I've gotten to uh, meet her several times at E3. She's like a super cool person. And she's a huge, huge fan and a huge advocate for the series. So um, she has mentioned on several occasions that if she can, she would love to work on those games. I mean, that's not at all in any way a promise of what the company's going to do because she can't speak for them, of course. But um, mm-hmm. she has mentioned, like, she to what to what end her influence reaches, she wants to work on those games. Um, so I think that there are, are several people inside XSeed who would love to do it. They just have to make it financially justifiable. So 
the the first step to doing that is for Cold Steel and Cold Steel Two to sell well. So hopefully so that's the case. Buy them. Yeah, please buy them because they're they're good. I'm actually I am seriously considering buying the PS3 version, like just to support them. Just, I mean, just I, to support them, and because I may very well have to play it again. I may not be able to to wait once I beat it the first time. I may just I'm just gonna jump right back in and play it again. And since you yeah. can cross save, it's. Yes. It's really hard, you know. It's painless to just say I started on the Vita version. Well, I want to play on my TV today, so I'm just going to cross save and continue. Mm-hmm. Yep, I did that plenty. I I got review copies of both versions, and I still bought the limited edition of the PS3 version because I cared enough. And for what it's worth, yeah, the cross save works works very well. Um, the only oddity about it is that there's no way to load a cross save from the main menu. You have to actually be in in game to the in game menu. So the first time you boot it up on whatever console you haven't started the game on, you have to play for like the first five minutes or so to get to your menu. Not that big of a deal, but I thought it was kind of a weird oversight. Um, beyond that, the cross-save works just fine. Remember I had trouble with the cross-save on Rogue Legacy, and it kind of played into the fact that my, my wife made me buy a uh, Galaxy Note 5 instead of an iPhone because she got tired of me throwing the iPhone across the room. I. <laughs> I am not really. I, I, maybe this makes me old. It, it probably does. I don't like screwing around with the cloud or syncing or anything like that. I hate that kind of stuff with a phone or a device. And even a couple of times, Steam has gotten a little weird. Where like, hey, I thought that that was saved and it wasn't, and something's all screwy. Like I don't like syncing. I, whenever I see that word, I start getting like really nervous about things and. You know, the idea of cross-save and stuff like that, the, my one experience with it between PlayStation 3 and Vita was not pleasant. And, yeah. you, you know, maybe maybe it's gotten better, it's, but it's it's made I mean, me I nervous. Think, I think uh, Steam Cloud generally is is good. It works easily. Um, in this case, like with uh, Final Fantasy X, X2 HD Remaster, um, that, that is like Trails of Cold Steel in that you have to manually upload and download your saves from the cloud, mm-hmm. which is a pain insofar as you need to plan, like, if you want to be able to take it on the go, you can't just spontaneously pick up your Vita and be playing it. You have to remember before you leave the house to download it or whatever. Right. Um, but, I mean, like, I mean, it's it's a minor inconvenience, but it's an option that I appreciate having. Sure, 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 sure. Mm. Uh, are we sure that the Vita version of Cold Steel 2 is going to come out in the U.S.? Because I'd be really... Yes. I would yeah. be so irritated. Yes. <laughs> yeah, they confirmed that, okay. both, that okay. both games will be coming out on both systems, so... Yep. That was one of those thought processes of like, okay, I better get the one that I want, otherwise I will be a little irritated. And who would, who would have thought that things irritate me, right? No way. <laughs> Never saw I'm that one coming. I'm so shocked. I know, right? I know. Yeah. So I, I, I recommend the game very highly, I think. Me too. Caitlin, Robert, do you feel the same? Oh, God, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I actually, I'm one of those people who was a little bit lukewarm on Trails in the Sky because it was dated. I, I had a difficulty getting over some of the the, uh, the presentation elements and whatnot. And I absolutely, if you were at all like that, if you tried Trails in the Sky and couldn't really get into it, still definitely give Cold Steel a go. It is very much worth it. And depending on what you didn't quite so much enjoy about Trails in the Sky, if it was the visuals or maybe the battle system was a little bit slow for you, this game addresses a lot of that. It, it's very much a an upgraded and a streamlined, well, well semi-streamlined uh, Trails experience. But it's still definitely a Trails experience all the way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It comes with the RPG fan seal of approval. Yes. If you love a uh, 2005 PS2 JRPG, and who doesn't, <laughs> uh, 
it's that, but with modern conveniences, and it's just a joy to play. Yeah. It's good stuff. I'm really glad it came out here. I, it was looking dicey for a while with Trails. Yeah, it seemed like it wouldn't. Yeah. Well, I think Falcom actually requested that Xseed get uh, Cold Steel out here. Like, they they wanted to see it out here because they knew PS3 is in, is on its last probably year or two here, and Vita's not much better or even worse, so... It should right. be better. should be better. We I wish, know. yeah. I, I used to be so insular. I'm just, it's great living in the future. <laughs> uh, I love my Vita so much, but at, you know, at zero time dilemma in, in the summer, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. There we go. That's something. Gotta stop that brother. Oh, God. I'm... Mm. I'm going to have to review all that storyline because I forget everything. Yeah, me too. I'm going to need a primer. Like, like what, what happened? happened again? Yeah, yeah what, what happened while I asked what happened? Oh, God, I can't remember anything. Dio was a jerk, the end. Okay, that I remember. Yeah, that Dio I remember. Okay, all right. So, is it time to talk about The Darkest Dungeon? I mean, did you take your meds? I'm sitting here playing Darkest Dungeon while we do this too, which is probably not a good idea because you guys are just going to hear random swearing at some. Are we are we going to hear like blood vessels start to pop? Possibly. Your party what does members? that sound like? Uh, it, it's kind of a like. I, I like to think that it's like the sound you make with the, with your tongue does. Okay. And everything. Kind of cute. Everything. Oh, thanks, bud. I like everything. Just kind of goes like white. I would imagine. Uh, so Darkest Dungeon. I really like this game. Uh, this is the game that's been in early access for about a year now, I want to say. Uh, and it's a dungeon crawler, very dark, very much based around kind of the uh, Call of Cthulhu mythos of your characters slowly going insane, uh, which is a lot of fun. Uh, I really like that kind of managing not just their hit points, but also managing their stress levels, managing like different quirks and, and personality faults that they can pick up over the course of the game. It's really, really fun. It's got a fantastic combat system. Like, if anything, what is kind of nice about this game is you can turn off a lot of the the mechanics that are a little harsher. So mechanics like not being able to run away from battles all the time, uh, the corpse mechanic, which was very, very controversial when it came out, where certain enemies will leave behind a corpse that has to be cleared from the battlefield because everything's based around positioning. Like you being able to hit one of four rows, if there's a corpse in the way, that can stop your players from being able to hit certain targets. Those things all work really well, and you can turn them off and kind of tailor the game to the experience that you want, kind of like as as hardcore as you really want to make it. That stuff is all really, really cool. I think the problem that I'm having with the game, and it's coming out of early access, so this is the full release, the Darkest Dungeon, the titular Darkest Dungeon was not available um, at any point during early access. The game has some... <clears throat> want to be careful here the game has some mid to late game problems with its progression system so it it starts getting very grindy the further that you get into the game where you know we're talking about a game where there's permadeath where characters can die very easily you can make mistakes in combat and like happened earlier this afternoon and i think most of the united states heard me uh (laughs) my plague doctor got wiped out when just a massive series of unfortunate events took him out 
And that's fine. Like, I, I kind of like that hardcore nature of the game, but now with that character being dead, and he was a level four character, I believe actually the Plague Doctor is female, but uh, she was actually level four at the time. To level up another Plague Doctor is going to take me hours. And I'm going is to have... There, Go is ahead. there anything in place like um, Rogue Legacy that gives you benefits sort of that are, that are permanent that you can apply to future characters? There are benefits in the town in that I can make it cost less <laughs> to upgrade skills, to upgrade equipment. Uh, so, so that kind of decreases the treadmill a little bit. What I'm finding is that it's not enough as I'm moving from the mid-game to the late game, where it's like, if something goes wrong, all the money I have invested in this character, because you upgrade all of their skills, you upgrade all of their equipment, and this is a this is very much a hardcore role-playing game where if you do not have the level 3 weapons equipped and you go on a level 3 quest, you're going to be in trouble. Like You're not going to do a whole lot of damage. So the game is really gated around solid RPG mechanics, but the progression is starting to become too much of a grind. And so when you start losing characters, it's it's a twofold hit of like, I'm really upset that I just lost this character because I had so much invested in him. And I look at the treadmill and I go, I have to get back on the treadmill. This is why I don't do cardio anymore. It's also why I got married, so I don't have to work out anymore. Uh, oh so... Well, wow. Well, if she leaves me, that just proves she's shallow. So there you go. Um, Whoa! <laughs> Holy crap! Just let wow. yourself go. Is she is she listening, by the way? She doesn't go to the gym either. We, we have an agreement. <laughs> I'm just wondering if we hear someone smack you in the background, <laughs> yeah. that's, you know, that's why. She actually, she said to me that she wants me to have a dad bod. And I am, more than, life. I am more than willing to go along with that. Um, she doesn't want me to be all muscly. Um, uh, so the, I just look at this treadmill now with my dead plague plague doctor, and it's like, on the one hand, I'm pissed because I had so much time invented into, invested into this character, and now I have to do it again. And so that's that's kind of where I'm at with the game right now. Is like I've been playing for about 16 hours, and I've had a lot of fun with it. I've had I have a lot of progression in my characters, but with the game not having a big story component and really just being about more and more dungeon crawling, I'm starting to reach a level of like. What do I have to show for this? And as characters begin to die, I'm going to have to re-level up characters and upgrade all their skills again and equip them all again. And so it, it, it's a little bit of a downer. Like, And they they have said, to their credit, they, they released a blog post yesterday saying, you know, we're analyzing the mid to late game and we're going to try to take away some of the grind. But the grind of this game is starting to, to take away from the really good things that it does, which is really intense strategic combat some of the best turn-based combat i've played in a long time a game where status effects really matter like it's really important to poison enemies for a number of different reasons i love the dark cthulhu look of the game like it's kind of got a hellboy comic brought to life there's so many there's so many things about this game that i love but it's just the progression is is becoming a real uphill climb and the further I get into it, this is how nuts this game gets. There are four darkest dungeon quests that you have to beat that you have to beat to finish the game. The darkest dungeon quest should only you should only go after them when your characters reach max level, which is level six. And if they complete the dungeon, those level six characters are retired. It's like they they've seen the horrors of the cosmic universe and they can't handle it anymore, and they now need to go away. So now you're going There's to you can't take a level six crew four times into the dar darkest dungeon and beat the game. You need right. four level six crews because you've 
expose them to the horrors down there and they can't do it anymore. Thematically, I love that. Like, uh, that's the thing, is that from a thematic standpoint, I think that's really cool, really dark, like, really mysterious. Like, the stuff of the original Diablo that I really like of characters going insane. But, but it sounds a, a bit grindy. Yeah, from a gameplay perspective, it's like, hey, guys, you, you kind of have me grinding a lot. And so there's there's also some balancing issues where some character classes just ain't cutting it as the the progression keeps going up. Like the highwayman, who's kind of your roguish thief character, is really strong at the beginning. But now all my highwaymen are like just not getting it done at the higher levels. Meanwhile, like, my, of course, I named the Hellion female barbarian character Jacqueline she's just kicking ass and taking names like she's just super strong and there's nothing i can do to like make her terrible but other character classes just aren't cutting the mustard so there there's some balancing that needs to be done with this game overall i can really recommend it but i think for those looking for a story or looking for something that has clear progression it's it's lacking a little bit in that area which is a little bit of a shame now, this what? just came out of early access. Is it um, only on Steam, or is this coming to other platforms as well? I think I heard something about PS4. It, it's Steam right now. It's, it's going to come out to PlayStation 4 and Vita, which I, I'm really interested to see what they do with the interface, because uh, it's it's very mouse-clicky. Uh, also a little janky on the mouse-clicky. I've had some, some problems with, like, hey, I didn't mean to use that attack. Why did you just do that attack? Uh, so... That'll be cool, and I, I again, I'm looking forward to playing this on the go, on the Vita. That might kind of mitigate some of my problems with it. It's a good game. It's a game I really, really like, but it's it's very, very grindy. And I, I'm kind of wondering, like, with a permadeath-based game, is that just the nature? Like, is that just what, what I have to kind of accept emotionally as I play this game? Is like... Yeah, I'm going to lose some characters, and that hurts, but it also hurts that now, with my limited amount of free time, I now need to go deeper into this game and do more with it. I think you might be right, yeah. I think it's just the nature of the game, perhaps. Yeah. Am I the only one that's played it? Uh, I know Steven's played it, but... Yeah, I I haven't. I'd like to, actually, but... I I really want to play it. I haven't either. It's It's cool! I, I, I do really like it. I can recommend it for a myriad of reasons. I just I want to see kind of where they go with it in the next couple uh, next couple of patches, the next couple of updates, because I think that they've got this this brilliant start of a game that is just losing a little bit in terms of balancing. And I, and I know I'm one of those guys that, that, that gets really hung up as a reviewer. I get really hung up on game balance, but like... Earlier today, there was a, there's a mechanic where as you're moving through the dungeon, your characters will eventually get hungry. And it's completely random when they get hungry. You have to feed them. If you don't feed them, they take damage, and they also take stress damage, which is what leads to them like going insane and yelling and screaming at each other and just causing problems in combat. If they stress out completely, some characters will skip turns. Some will refuse healing. Like You're very much trying to manage a party. Well four different rooms out of 20 on a dungeon that I was completing four rooms in a row my party became hungry like they all suddenly got tapeworms and I checked they did not in fact have tapeworms so I ran out of food very early in the dungeon that's never happened before and now they're all stressing out and now they're all yelling at each other and oh dear god a huge enemy showed up wow this character just refused healing at a critical time and there goes my plague doctor and it was just like that that's when I kind of screamed and yelled and punched the desk real hard and my hand really hurts right now. 
What does a plague doctor do? Plague doctor throws a lot of poisonous uh, grenades and stuff, and if a so it and, inflicts the plague, then yes, and if the if the enemy dies to the plague, to like the poison stuff, they will not leave behind a corpse. So if you hit them with something, they're going to take four damage on their next turn. You just let them die. You're just like, well, screw you. You're already dead. And I love that mechanic in the game. It's like, well, I've already killed you. You just don't even realize it yet. This is the North Star. Yeah, exactly. Like, just walk away, watch them explode. Like, I really, really like that about this game. There's so many really positive things to like about it. I just, I hope they can get there in the end with their progression system. Because it's kind of a shame right now. It's It's kind of... It isn't quite where it needs to be. I hear it does some cool things with the narrator. Oh, the narrator is is so fantastic. He's just like uh, cruel, voice? Mach- cruel machinations come wow. into play. Like just very like. Imagine if the narrator from Bastion and uh, what was the other game? Uh, Transistor. Transistor was good. <laughs> hey now. Okay, but people liked it. Bastion was, was a good. little okay. Bastion was okay, but uh, Transistor was a little heavy-handed. Yeah, tra- well, uh, yeah. Um, but imagine if that was just really, really good, just like really, really solid, like made you happy to talk to. Like, <laughs> I, I really like that part of the game. The narrator is great, and just the whole thematic element of the game is fantastic. Uh, it's fun. I would definitely recommend it to people who. Uh, I guess I would recommend it to people if they're looking for something very, very challenging. Don't be afraid to go into the options menu to turn down some of the the nastier components of the game that could kind of wig you out. I know a lot of people didn't like the corpses. Just turn them off. And I think that was really awesome of the developers to include that in the game. Is like, okay, we want you to play it this way, but we're not going to push the issue. Like, if, if it's really that big a deal and you don't want to play the game this way, don't worry about it. And I, I think that was smart of them to do that. Uh, but you could also argue that that shows that there's a critical problem in their game. I mean, it's it's very it's very hard to get a feel for how fans are going to react to that. Mm, yeah. I've heard it described as a roguelike. I mean, are the dungeons random? Or... Yep, dungeons are okay. completely random, uh, which can lead to you know, a dungeon where you complete it very quickly because you end up finding the boss right away or, oh dear god, I've been searching all over this place and tiny little battles have worn me down completely and now I'm going to die. Like, it's... It really is luck of the draw and that's that's part of the appeal of the game. There's a constant sense of danger which is palpable and it, it it's, it's almost stifling at times. Like, it's just like, oh my god, this is just... This continues to spiral out of control and get crazy and, oh, I don't know if we're going to be able to survive this, guys. But again, that's part of the appeal of the game. Like that's oh, that's, definitely. that's part of the thing that people are either going to love or hate about it. Hmm. It's cool. It's cool. And I think the $20 price point is pretty palatable, so... Yeah, that, that's that's part of the reason why I can kind of make an easy recommendation <laughs> on this game. It's like, look, you don't you don't have to kill yourself to try this game. I think it's it's still going to be twenty bucks for the next week, uh, and then it will go up to twenty five. So this is kind of their their early bird okay. special right now for the game. So you would say that um, the the early the final release version is better than what you played. In early access, what we talked about last time we discussed this when yes, was here. definitely, okay. and thank you, Derek, for bringing that up because it was when I first played this game, it was I don't think brutal ass, brutal, goddamn brutal, f word hard really describes it. 
Like it it was just like stomp you in a mud hole, like very much the type of game where you're missing every other turn. It's still hard, but it's much more manageable now, particularly at the early stages. Like, the early part of the game, my characters were dying left and right in early access. Not so much of an issue now. Like, there's still that palatable sense of fear and danger, but it's not nearly as as stifling. It's not nearly as like, oh, dear God, everything's going to go wrong here. And I'm kind of hoping that they can then apply that to the late game. Uh, your, your characters are actually really sturdy. I like the idea of these These characters can face a group of monsters pretty, pretty straightforward, but it's when you fight so many monsters over and over again. It's like the eventually it just mounts and you, you can't overcome it anymore. Mm-hmm. And I, I really like that aspect of the game. Yeah, so I mean, you're you're feeling stress and tension in line with the characters in the game. Yes, I, I really really like that about about it. Um, but that also means that it can it can lead to moments of just you know, I haven't cursed this much at a game in a long time. And and Caitlin Caitlin mentioned at the before we started recording, like, well, you play Dark Souls, you play Bloodborne, like, why is this game annoying you so much? It's because it has an RNG, it has a random number generator. And there are moments where that random number generator just feels like it gets start it gets stuck on the FU button. And it's just like, wow, they they just critical four times in a row on me and this feels terrible. But again, that's that's what you're getting out of the game. Like that's that's part of the experience for good and for bad. Are there boss encounters? Yeah, the bosses are are hit and miss. Um I have found the bosses to either be way too easy or dear god hard. Like and, and nowhere in between. Like I, I actually ran into a boss um a day or two ago that I just got demolished on. Like he was hitting two of my party members every turn with a super attack. And then today, like I I did a holy prayer and went in and fought him again. And he was he was so easy. Like he was only hitting one character every turn. He wasn't critical criticaling every round. And I took him out like it was nothing. And so it was this real moment of like, what the hell was that all about? Like I don't even maybe there was a patch and they tuned him a little bit because he was so hard earlier in the in the week. Maybe like just, just stupid hard. I, maybe I got lucky. I don't know. But there are bosses. They they have a lot of nasty mechanics where they're they're out to they're out to screw you. I mean, it, it doesn't get any more straightforward than that they are out to kill you and screw you so so what what are what are your usual uh quest objectives you get to the end of the dungeon fight the boss and that's it it, it's a it's a lot of uh so the the boss dungeons are kind of special dungeons a lot of it is uh go through here and check all the rooms in this area or check 90 percent of the rooms uh there's some that are like you need to clear out certain objectives in the dungeon like certain uh idols and things that they want you to investigate um, but nothing that's that's really stand out. Nothing that kind of um, nothing to write home about in a, in a weird way. And that's kind of part of the problem with the game is like you're doing the same things over and over again, and it starts you know starts wearing a little thin. It's like okay, I've done a lot of these you know clearing out these dungeons over and over again, and there there isn't a whole lot to the game. It is a traditional dungeon crawler in every sense. Yeah. So you're sort of spurred on by the the desire to get stronger, to clear more dungeons, to get better equipment, etc. Right, right, exactly, exactly. Which is fun in its own way. I mean, what's it up is. Diablo it's 3? Yeah. It's... I, speaking of which, I just started playing Diablo 3 again. Oh, God, what is wrong with you? Why would you do that? Because <laughs> I hate myself, and I hate how little free time I already have. No, I... Uh, oh. It's a... Uh... 
Isn't that game I was, good? Yeah, it's oh my god, it's so it's so night and day. I know we've talked about we've talked about it way too much on this show, but it's <laughs> I just picked up uh, Reaper Souls on PC because I'd been playing the PS4 version, and man, it is so different with seasons and everything. Doesn't even feel like the game as it was at launch. I gotta be careful with that game. Like I know if I start, it's so easy to get sucked in. Yep. <laughs> I'll just do one rift. Okay, two rifts. Okay, okay three, three rifts. four, oh, five, six, god. seven. Oh dear oh, god. Oh my god. Okay. Anyway, it's a good game. It's a good game. Keep playing it. Okay. <laughs> <I will. laughs> all right. Where are we going next, guys? I got I got all the darkest dungeon talk out of the way. Where are we going next? Uh, well, I guess I can talk about a little game I've been playing this weekend called The Division. Tom oh. Clancy's? I am looking forward to talking about Tom this. Tom Clancy. So here's I like the... the multiplication better, but go ahead. Here's the question. <laughs> Is this the game that we wanted Destiny to be? <laughs> uh, well, I don't know. I have a kind of a biased opinion of Destiny. I was really hyped for it and then was completely disappointed by it, and... Based on what I've experienced, um, been playing the beta this weekend, it's better than Destiny. At least Ooh. I am more interested in exploring the world and and doing stuff than I was in Destiny. It, uh, I mean, it's hard to judge because it's a small slice of the game. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a slice of the map. It's only a few story missions and a handful of uh, side quests and secondary objectives that you can do. And of course, the the um, PvP enabled dark zone area. Uh, so we don't know necessarily, like you know, what the big picture is going to be. I can see some potential in there, uh, it having some of the same pitfalls that Destiny has, which is big areas with rep- semi repetitive activities to do, and focusing really on just getting you know different colored loot to increase your stats and whatnot. But at the same time, I'm a lot more interested in the gameplay and the ways in which they weave RPG elements into that gameplay. Because on, on the surface, it looks like it's a third-person shooter, but everyone has a H, has a hit um, HP hit bars. P, characters have levels. When you deal damage, you're doing damage in hit points. Your weapons are rated based on their DPS um, and the damage that they do factors in with like how quickly they fire and things like that. You have skills that you unlock based on how you upgrade your home base. Um, you have three different sort of wings in your home base. And when you upgrade those wings, you get access to new skills, to perks, to talents that you can equip. And one of the cool things that the game does that personally, I kind of like better than the way destiny worked it with their, uh, secondary skills is you your characters have um, three primary skills firearms uh, stamina and electronics and getting more points in those skills will increase your effectiveness in combat and increase your health and increase the effectiveness of your skills and the armor that you find in the world will have like you know maybe you'll find a chess piece that increases your firearm stat or uh, uh, gloves that increase your electronic stat. So you had to be a little strategic in what you're wearing in order to boost those stats. But then the really cool thing is that you'll find weapons that may have uh, talents, which are like, you know, um, might be a useful skill, like uh, being able to recover a little bit of HP when you kill an enemy, or maybe headshots will do more damage, or 
killing an enemy will uh, clear any negative effects that you might be under at the time. And sometimes those talents are just open to you from the get-go, but other times, especially with the more rare weapons, you'll have to have a certain rating in each of those three basic skill sets in order to use it. So you, I got a weapon that I believe would recover my HP whenever I kill an enemy, but I had to have a certain level of firearms, stamina, and electronics in order to use it. So I'd have to play around with my equipment or maybe find better equipment and prioritize certain things in order to be able to use those skills, which is, I don't know, Destiny had a similar thing where uh, equipment would sometimes boost a secondary stat, but it didn't really feel as important because it was just a stat that would affect, you know, how much damage you do with a certain type of weapon or a certain skill. This actually can affect uh, what you can get out of your the weapons that you equip and how useful your gear is. Mm-hmm. So, so it sounds like it's more of an RPG than Destiny, which was very much a an action RPG in, in a Diablo sense, if that makes sense. Am I, am I putting words in your mouth when I say that? Uh, I definitely feel a bit more of an RPG uh, sense from this. I mean, they're kind of similar. Destiny also had enemies with levels, and you would deal hit point damage and things like that. But it, they've, I think, have made care to bring those RPG elements forward and make them more, uh, uh, what's the word for it? More, um, crap. Pronounced. Pr- yeah. And and worth and and worthwhile. Like it's not just oh hey, there's a piece of equipment that has higher armor rating. I'm going to equip that, and maybe it ups my light level, or maybe it gives me the secondary bonus. No, this is a piece of equipment that will dramatically boost my skills and let me use this other skill that I have access to on my weapon. Mm-hmm. Or this is going to give me a huge boost in my health, which I probably need if I'm going to be taking on enemies that are like two levels, three levels, five levels over mine or whatnot. So, I don't know. I, I feel, especially with the loot, I feel more of an RPG uh, tint to it. So mm-hmm. Sounds a little Mass Effect-y. It, yeah, I was actually thinking how did it best to describe like combat and whatnot. And it's got elements of, De- of Destiny and, uh, and Borderlands, sort of with like a third-person cover-based Destiny or Borderlands, but it is kind of similar to Mass Effect and like you have to you run to cover, you pop up, you shoot people, you have skills that you can equip that you can bind to um, on PS4 and to the L1 and R1 buttons and whatnot, and they recharge over time. You use one, you have to wait for it to regen a little bit before you can use it again, which is kind of similar to how you would use your skills in Mass Effect. Um, I, I don't. It's hard to judge like the story content and how much role-playing you can do there. Um, the player character in the beta is mute. And hmm. I don't know if they will be voiced. Uh, the cutscenes in the beta seem to suggest that they won't be. Um, it's other characters that you meet that will be talking at you and sending you out on missions. Um, and there were only two main story missions in the beta, and that was basically setting up your home base, and then you had to go find a doctor to get your medical wing set up. And presumably there'll be other missions to find people for your tech wing and for your security wing and then to buff up those wings and their whole goal is to try and take back new york city and find a cure for this deadly virus that's been running rampant and caused the entire city to basically collapse under itself so we'll have to see how in in the in the full game 
how much meat there is. Because I know big issue I had with Destiny was how anemic the main story was and how brief and just not really uh, well-developed, at least in my opinion, it was. So that's one of my concerns. I worry that that might be the same thing here. But it's hard to say. It's really just a small slice of the game, just sort of get you to see what how it plays and and uh, what the world looks like, and of course for them to work out bugs and stuff. So we will have to see, I guess. But I'm I'm very much I've liked what I've played. Um, I'm very interested in exploring the full uh, or as as much of New York City as they let you explore. They've already talked about how they're going to later on add on, I think, parts of Brooklyn. So they're already, I think, talking about expanding the map and maybe expanding content. So we'll see how that plays out. Do we think the games, isn't it supposed to come out in like March or April? It's uh, March 8th is its release date, at least uh, here in North America. So yeah, and I'm we think it's going to come out? <laughs> uh, I, I've, based on what I've seen, it looks like they still have bugs to work out. I've seen, yeah. um, you know, odd things here and there, but it seems relatively stable uh, based on what I've played. So I, at this point, I want to say that they would not announce like a month beforehand. Mm-hmm. We had to delay it, but uh, that's we've seen that happen before. Um, maybe not with a, as big of an anticipated title as this, but mm-hmm. but I, I would hope that they're that they're still gonna hit that date because I'm I'm excited I'm 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 willing to to step in and to you know to see how the full experience is based on what I've played. So cool. Yeah, I, I wonder because I was also pretty burned by Destiny, <clears throat> so. If if it comes with your recommendation, I generally trust your taste. So, Aww, I'll, lo- I'll look at it. I love don't the, get cocky. I love the art of Destiny and not much else. Yeah, I mean, I think yeah, a lot of the initial concept art um, for this this expansive universe they were creating seemed very intriguing, mm-hmm. and then just kind of. Mm. I, I just didn't. I just didn't like the shooting. I, I I really don't know how else to describe it. Like, I have a couple friends who are really big into Destiny, but I, I played the demo when it did that. You know, automatically downloaded on my PlayStation Four, and I played it, and I, I just gave I gave a big like, really, this is, th- this is what everybody's losing their mind over. Like, it just, you, you know, how you bounce off a game, and I just, comp- I don't think I bounced off so much as I didn't even touch it. <laughs> it's just like, what is this? Like, I don't, I don't get it. It doesn't feel good, and it, it gets to that same problem I had with Borderlands, which was I'm just watching health bars go down by shooting enemies, whereas in Diablo I'm throwing spiders at people. Now, now one of those sounds way cooler than the other, uh, if especially if you're afraid of spiders. So I, <laughs> I, I, I never really liked Borderlands for that reason, but I think Borderlands started to deal with that a little bit with uh, like the Mecromancer character class in, uh, in Borderlands 2. I felt like they were figuring out, you know, hey, why don't we add some kind of different things to this game? Like, why don't we try some things to, to make it more than just watching a health bar deplete by shooting something over and over again? There's something very unsatisfying to me as a gamer about shooting somebody over and over again and just watching a health bar go down. I, I didn't mass effect somehow didn't bother me though. Like mass effect felt good. Maybe because I always played as a, uh, 
as a sniper class. Um, but I, I just it didn't bother me in that game, but it really started to take everything out of me in Borderlands and uh, and Destiny. Yeah, I didn't much like playing a sniper in Borderlands either, but <clears throat> I'm also I don't know. Borderlands was kind of weird for me because I the the overall style, like the humor and the even kind of the visual style does not jive with me at all, but I mm-hmm. kind of really liked the game anyway. Uh, I got kind of bored of the second one, but I'm still I, I was <sighs> hoping that Destiny would be the game to fill like the niche that I was hoping Borderlands was going to fill, but it didn't. So that's why I have some some hope now for the division. What happened, Caitlin? Sorry. You you just you got bored by Borderlands too? <clears throat> yeah. I mean uh, I don't kinda, I don't think the it's same bad. category, yeah. I don't think it's bad. It just doesn't really mesh with my tastes, with my aesthetics, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I have I, I tried I it's fun. to I tried to do Borderlands and I just couldn't get into it. <laughs> it. Just didn't gel with me. I appreciated what it was trying to do, but it just wasn't my sort of thing. Well, I can I can understand that. I I very much love Borderlands too. I didn't really care for Borderlands One though, so I can I can understand kind of it not driving with people. Mm-hmm. So de- so the division is going to be the destiny that we always wanted, or we didn't realize we always <laughs> wanted. I I certainly hope so. At the very least, it's hard to see how it's going to be as sorry. I'm going to say it's as bad as Destiny. Was Man, I remember the last time I tried to say a game was bad on this podcast, and I just got raked across the coals for it, and everyone was like, "No, you're not giving it a fair chance." And here comes Caitlin; she just drops. Caitlin, you win. <laughs> I I am prepared to receive hate mail. Bring it, bring it on. I'm not changing my opinion about that game. I'm sorry. I'm with you. I didn't I didn't like Destiny either, but the division looks cool. I God, when was the when was the first time we saw that game? I feel like it was ages ago. It was was it was it, it was several E3s ago, wasn't it? Several sounds about right. I, I think. And so. I know, um, of course, people are already talking about. Oh, it's been downgraded, and this does uh, not look at all like oh, like the original. It still looks. If anyone's worried, it looks good to me. Like I can see how maybe they had to to uh, you know tone things down a little bit in terms of we're gonna say downgrading (laughs) i was trying to find another word i mean you felt it you felt it you felt everybody get angry with you it looks plenty pretty to me it's great like i've seen videos that have tried to explain how it looks like they have maybe removed stuff from the streets in order to to keep it you know smooth and whatnot but it still looks convincing as a you know this is new york city uh, on Black Friday, weekend of Black Friday, and stuff has gone down, and people just panicked, and you can totally see that. I mean, the art design is, I think, really good. Um, they they obviously couldn't, you know, recreate New York exactly because of you know having trademarks and things like that. But um, it still it felt to me like I was in New York, and I just happened to be in New York City a month or so ago, so I had a, I have a recent experience. Of the city, so. Mm-hmm. But it looks good. The weather effects. Um, there's dynamic weather that gets involved uh, and can affect what you can see and how well you can fight too. Because you might have dense fog coming in. You might have a blizzard coming in that will really reduce uh, how far you can see and how well you can aim at people. So that's a really cool uh, feature to have. I when I left the game yesterday, it was clear. But when I loaded up, there was a blizzard. When I got outside my home base, I was like, holy crap, I cannot see more cool. than like, you know, half a block in front of me. That sounds cool. Yeah. That sounds brilliant. 
So I'm I'm on board. I'm I'm there's some things I'm a little bit concerned about, but I'm still on board. Does it feel like the Ubisoft open world game du jour? Um, a little bit. A little bit. Yeah. Like, Are there any okay. towers? Oh God. Not yet. I have not found that or, you know, the Assassin's Creed uh, go find. I was going to say, the... how many uh, gritty, hard-edged butterflies are there for you to find? Mm. No. Find all no. the missing robo-pigeons. I mean, there is, there's collect, there's, you know, a collect-a-thon. You have, you can find um, cell phone recordings that you can play back. Um, you can find survival guides. Uh, you can find, one of the cool things is these, um, uh, you can find little recreations throughout the the world of different like little mini scenes going on and when you get there and you activate them it creates a little field around you and uh, uses like you know holographic projections to show you where people are and you get a little audio clip of what they're doing you can walk up to these little they, they don't move they just sort of stand in place in a pose so you can kind of get a, an idea of what's going on and you walk up to them and you can find information about them and who they are, what their occupation is or whatnot. It's a neat little way to create some world building and show you how things have broken down and how they are still very much messed up right now as you're going through the world. And then cell phone recordings, that's, you know, the the thing that's being done all the time now is having, you know, um, uh, having little tape recorder things that sure you know give you characters talking together that's that's kind of a staple now nowadays with um open world games and things like that so uh so yeah you, you do have to collect things but it, i feel like they made a bit of an effort to make it realistic for the world that you're in um i had not seen any like pointless climb up here and push a button to reveal stuff on your map mm-hmm. yet um they made that bit a bit more organic. You have maps in your bases that you can walk up to, and they can populate your map with things, which makes sense. It's a map. Mm. It should show you where things are. <laughs> it makes sense, I swear. <laughs> oh, man. It's pretty bad that we all know exactly what I meant when I said the Ubisoft game design. Like, yes. Which is a shame, because like when, when they weren't doing that so much, it was okay. Like... I was trying to explain to people, like, I would play an Assassin's Creed game if they came out, like, once every two or three years instead of, you know, every, what, 11 months? It looks like you'll get your wish this year, Rob. Uh, sounds like it. I'm okay with them taking a little bit of a break. Yes, please. Like, just knock it off a little bit. Like, let me play other games. There are other games to be played. Other games that I, I promise you I will enjoy. The Division. The destiny you didn't know you wanted. From the people that didn't make Destiny. Back of the box quote. Yeah, there you go. There you go, Ubisoft. <laughs> Enjoy. You're welcome. Enjoy. Please understand. <laughs> <laughs> please look forward to it. Please, please look forward to it. Please understand. Yada, yada, yada. <laughs> Thank you, valued customer. <laughs> oh, God. That means never going to die. It can't be helped, yes. All right, what's next? I've been playing a little game. <laughs> All right, that tell us about your little a, game. It's a little game because it's on a handheld system. Uh, it is Mario and Luigi Paper Jam. Cool. And uh, it's pretty good. I like it. Um, so my preamble is that I am a huge, huge, huge fan of Mario RPG, as I think 
many of us are. I don't think that's a game that most people would look at and be like, eh, I don't like it. Generally, most... No, I'm okay, well, you're... I'm, kid- I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. And I, see, I was ready to, like, throw you into the bus. Well, I, yeah, it's I because know. you're... No. Um, I know, I know it was coming. I know. I played coming. a lot of that when I was a little guy, and yeah. I, I'm kind of scared to revisit it. I think, yeah, I, I would be a little bit... I, I probably played it a couple of years ago, didn't play the whole thing through. It felt like it still held up pretty well, but... Okay. It's. I think the SquareSoft influences are pretty strong in that, and that's what yeah. makes it keep its kind of timelessness. Um, and it, and I do actually think it's still pretty timeless. Um, so I was a huge fan of that, and um, I, I liked the first Mario and Luigi for Game Boy Advance. But I felt like as time went on, for me, they got progressively less and less engaging. Um, there seemed to be an upward focus on humor to their detriment, because I didn't really find a lot of the humor super funny. Um, and I think the games just got wordier and wordier, and they got more and more heavy-handed with the tutorials, particularly. So, as as like recently as um, Dream Team, the most recent Mario and Luigi game, I just kind of wasn't taken with it. I was really excited to play it. Um, I played a demo of it at E3, and uh, Steven and I both played it, and we walked away feeling like, oh, this is going to be awesome. And then when the game came out, it just was so like it was so dense with text that wasn't worth reading. Mm-hmm. which is kind of a scathing way to put it. But um, if you're going to make a lot of jokes, like they, I don't know, humor is, of course, subjective. And there were some lines that I thought were pretty amusing, but I just didn't really care about all of the humor, and I wanted to just play the game. I wanted to experience the battle system. I wanted to explore. But they kept throwing tutorial after tutorial at me, and I found it very tiresome, um, exhausting even. So it was with some trepidation that I checked out um, Mario and Luigi Paper Jam. Oh, and by the way, I did not like Sticker Star either. I thought that was I hated awful. Yeah, I hated that there were no standard attacks that weren't basically consumable items. That was just so frustrating. Was Tucker the one person on the site that liked that yeah, game? He liked okay. it. Okay. I hated that there was no story, no characters. Yeah. I'm, I'm a really big uh, Paper Mario fan, and boy, they really dropped the ball with Sticker Star. I agree with that. Um, so, so Paper Jam, I think actually does some good to to solve those wounds. I think that it's a step in the right direction. It's a it's definitely not a Paper Mario game. It it's it's a Mario and Luigi game at its heart, which they they're fairly similar anyway, but um there are some elements from both that come together, but it's more or less like a Mario and Luigi game with some paper character elements thematically and mechanically. So um in Mario and Luigi RPG fashion, it's like Something happens, Peach gets kidnapped, which is a little trite at this point, but whatever. Um, and then you have to save her. And in this case, um, the the storybook that the paper characters live in, the Paper Mario universe is in, gets knocked off a shelf. And Paper Mario, as well as all the other paper people, come out of it. So Paper Peach and Regular Peach get kidnapped by Paper Bowser and Regular Bowser. I don't know what to call them other than Regular Bowser. 3D Bowser <laughs> probably would be better. I don't want to like attach a value judgment here. Paper is beautiful, too. So you have to save them. And so Mario and Luigi team up with Paper Mario. I don't know why Paper Luigi isn't here. He's just not. Um, the year of Luigi is over, Derek, didn't you because know? Because he yeah. talks. People, people are already like, this is the worst thing about that game is no Paper Luigi. <laughs> so we've, we've got three silent protagonists and Paper Luigi. He always talks. He's very wordy, isn't he? Yeah, I so it'd guess. be a bit weird if he was hanging out with uh, just everybody just making noises at him. Well, then maybe he could be the the voice of reason or like the the person who's like, "What's wrong with you?" 
Oh, I think I'd like that. <laughs> yeah, that would be good. But um, so you have the three of them. You have Mario, Luigi, and Paper Mario, and uh, it's it's much the same format as the previous Mario and Luigi games. Um, turn-based battles with timing elements, which I really really like. That's my my favorite part of the game is the battle system and how all of the different attacks have their own unique um, timing, their own rhythm for the attacks. Um, the animations are fantastic. They're so vibrant and so like. Because even the, the 3D characters are rendered more or less in kind of like a really smooth pixel art style. And there's just so much detail in them. It's so vibrant. Everything is really alive. And you get a lot of... Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Well, because visual storytelling is a thing. So I think that I get more out of just watching things happen visually than I get out of the talking in this game. Which is also okay. But uh it's just, it's a joy to look at, and it's really fun to play. This one actually feels a little bit more challenging to me than the last couple have. There have been a couple of bosses where I've died. Shocker. Um, whereas in previous games, I just felt like it was, you couldn't really lose unless you were just awful, awful, awful at reading cues from enemies. Um, but the, the, so the biggest, the biggest uh, improvement, I would say, is that Nintendo acknowledged, or I guess the developers, is it Intelligent Systems? No, it's... Uh, it's Alpha, Alpha Dream? Alpha Dream, thank you. I would not have remembered that. Um, they they took feedback from players, and they've, much like Trails of Cold Steel, actually, they have done a lot to reduce the amount of tutorials and unnecessary wading through dense text. Um, and again, this is coming from a person who loves to read. So you can um, fast-forward through stuff once again. You can hold the R button, just like in Trails of Cold Steel, and anytime there is a tutorial, they say, do you want the tutorial? And if you say no, they don't give it to you anyway, which is a crucial difference because Dream Team would be like, are you sure? I feel like you're rusty. Here's the tutorial. Like, Seriously? So <laughs> The illusion of choice. I know. I hate that. So so this one does away with that and um, just generally feels speedier. There's still a lot of talking, but uh, I, think, I think this is really solid. Um, I'm probably, I'm about... Seven and a half, eight hours into it, I think I'm about the halfway point through the game because these generally aren't that long. Um, but it's continued to introduce new abilities at a, at a satisfying pace. Uh, there's an amiibo functionality where you can tap amiibos to it and get um, special cards based on the amiibo. They give you effects in battle. They're totally not necessary, but it's kind of a fun addition. Um, the only element of the game that I would say I outright don't care for is there are paper craft battles, which is... Uh, in line with the paper theme, there are sections of the game where your characters will ride on a giant paper craft Mario or Luigi or whatever. Um, there are several. And then you have to fight other paper craft enemies. But all it amounts to is you have this kind of, you have a semi-overhead perspective, more like a behind-the-back perspective, and it's all rendered in 3D. And you're in this field, and all you have to do is ram into enemies and then toss your paper craft at them. And it feels super clunky and kind of without strategy. Um, all you have to do really is you wait for an enemy to start an attack. They'll have an exclamation point over their head. And then you dash into them and it knocks them off balance and you can hit them. Um, I've done two of the paper crap battles now. I assume there are probably going to be at least a few more because they punctuate major story moments. Um, but they just feel kind of boring and really drawn out. Like they really wanted to justify the existence of the paper craft models so they made this whole mode around it that's just kind of there. Um, the regular battle system is far more engaging. And it's I, I really like that each of the individual special attacks that you get are more or less their own mini-game. Like the first one that you get has uh, Mario, Luigi, and Paper Mario all playing 
tennis. Well, it's it's called a trio racket. So you're all hitting like you have to time your button presses and hit balls up against uh, this wall where all the enemies are plastered on. That you turn them to paper, plaster them on the wall, and then you hit them with your with the ball from this tennis racket. And it's cool. It's like it's like playing Mario Tennis more or less, except you're doing damage in an RPG when you do it. And every attack has its own special thing like that. So there's a lot of variety in combat, and I think that's its biggest strength, other than um, the the accessibility kind of things, like being able to speed it up. So I think this is good. I think it's a step in the right direction for the Mario and Luigi series, and uh, there are also rumors swirling around that there's a Paper Mario in development, development for the Wii U. Hmm. So, um, or I'm sorry, the is it? No, it is the Wii U. I was going to say the NX, but I, I think it's actually the Wii U. Oh, I was going to make the very cynical argument. Well, when you say Wii U, you mean it's coming out on the NX. It may very well, but, <laughs> but I think they... Miyamoto keeps his mitts off it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the new Paper Mario was supposed to be developed by Intelligent Systems, not Alpha Dream. So I was going to say that maybe they can take cues from Paper Jam, but I don't know how much uh, crossover there is in the dev teams for those two. But anyway, yeah, um, if you had any uh, concerns about where the Mario and Luigi series was heading post... I, I don't know, I think a lot of people like Bowser's Inside Story... Um, and the reception for these games tends to be like pretty positive overall. I just felt like they were getting more and more tedious. So if the last couple have been kind of tedious for you, I would recommend Paper Jam. I think it's it's worth your time investment. Um, and it's a little it's got a little bit of a challenge, not like a big challenge by any means, but you might die on bosses sometimes if your timing is bad, which apparently mine was a few times. Um, but yeah, it's it's fun. I'm I'm surprised that it's taken up as much as of as much of my time as it has because uh, I also picked up Final Fantasy Explorers and have been playing that multiplayer with some friends. Um, but I still found myself being like, okay, I'm gonna take a break from this, guys. I want to go play Mario and Luigi. So it, it comes with my my uh, my recommendation. I I'm not reviewing the game. Uh, I would probably put it somewhere in like the eight out of ten range, something like that. You've done a good job at selling it to me. I mean, the last one of those games I played was Bowser's Inside Story, and I found that very, you know, as you said, very wordy, and it felt like everything just took forever, and it didn't really keep my interest. But yeah. this looks really interesting to me, and hearing you talk about it just really makes me want to pick it up. Hmm. Yeah, I'd recommend it. I, I think it's better than Bowser's Inside Story, um, for sure, as far cool. as I'm concerned. But, yeah. Would it out. be a good entry point if you haven't played previous Mario and yeah. Luigi games? Yeah, they're all more or less totally unconnected. It, as long as you're familiar with the premise of Mario, like <laughs> Mario lives in the Mushroom Kingdom. Who right? isn't? Spoilers! So, yeah, that's that's all you need to know. And then, I mean, Rob, they make references Rob. like... Spoiler, Mario's a plumber. What? <sighs> They'll say things like, oh, Bowser's gonna kidnap Peach again. And there's, I guess... There's one character, Starlo, who's kind of like the sidekick character for the Mario and Luigi series who's there, and they don't explain him being there, but whatever. Is, he, is Mario going to get cake again, as I make the air quotes, for whatever reason they, you know, cake? No, it's just like Luigi's uh, in the castle library and knocks over the book and causes the problems to happen. Uh, so okay. Everybody yeah. continues to blame Luigi throughout the game. It's kind of sad. Everybody just dogpiles on him. They're like, Luigi's just the most hated thing in the universe. I don't He's know just why. He's tall and ganky a little bit. He can't help it. Poor uh, bastard. He and I have that in common. Uh, what, what are we going to do with you, Luigi? Maybe, I, mean, not... I don't know, make your own game. 
treat him like a human being, maybe? Like he deserves? Poor Let bastard. him get the girl for a change. And Poor bastard. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I have to say for Mario and the Ouija Paper Jam. All right. Cool. Cool. Uh, well, hold on one sec, guys. I need to need to reach over here. Okay, we got Trails of Cold Steel right here. We got a T-shirt here. I'm gonna okay. Let's spin this around. Make sure I put it on the right way. All right, let's put this T-shirt on. And uh, this is my patented Rob was wrong T-shirt. And uh, <laughs> I actually wear it very happy. Uh, very happy. We got some information about Fire Emblem Fates this week, uh, for, straight from Nintendo. Uh, no more sifting through internet forums too much to figure out about mistranslations and stuff. So, so Derek, you understand this thing a hell of a lot better than I do, and you were 100% right on this. Talk to us about what is and is not being changed about Fire Emblem Fates as I sit here wearing my Rob Was Wrong t-shirt. Right, so in the Japanese version of Fire Emblem If, Fire Emblem Fates, as it's called in Western territories. Um, there was a storyline, or like a sub-storyline, with one of the, the characters, um, Soleil is her name. And in the Japanese version, um, she gets really nervous around girls. And I think, I don't know the, the really precise details, but I think it's like, the idea is that she's a lesbian and she's attracted to girls. And so when she's around girls, she fumbles in battle, or, you know, she has issues. So there was a storyline uh, where, like, if the, the main character does support conversations with her there's some element involving like a magic potion that makes her see all girls as men so she becomes attracted to the male main character if you're playing the, the male um and then i don't remember if the the conversation culminates in like a, a full-on romance between the two but the the it's implication yeah, is it a marriage yeah okay so or, or an s rank rather whatever okay so the the implication there, which I understand that it's a little bit of a stretch, and especially when this is being recon- like taken out of context because it's it's embedded in like a, a Japanese context as well. But the implication there was like basically you're you're drugging her to convert her from being a lesbian to being straight or being interested in men or whatever the case may be. So for the North American version, Nintendo wants to they're going to rewrite that storyline to remove any references to like converting her attraction to women to an attraction for men. So that's that's the extent of the detail that we have about that. But people are are crying foul and saying like, "Oh my God, censorship! I can't believe that you're you know rewriting this game because we can't handle it." Like, I, I think that it's important to realize in in localization that things do need to be recontextualized when they're being translated for a Western audience, and that doesn't mean necessarily like I, this is different from like censoring. I don't know. I guess in some ways it's not different from censoring physicality. Like we had the talk about the Xenoblade thing, but in in, in the context of, of Western society, I think it's a little bit less permissible for us to have a storyline that involves something that is, that could be interpreted as like gay conversion because that's not, I mean, it's just not really okay as a thing. And there may be some way in Japan to contextualize that as like, because I was talking to this, um, sorry, talking about this with somebody, and they were saying like, "Oh, that made me immediately think of like Tanuki, who could, in you know, in Japanese mythology, they could change gender to woo people and sort of trick them like that." So I wonder if maybe there's some element of that involved. And I think that the Western audience obviously lacks that context, so they can't they can't quite make that connection. So if people are seeing that here in the West, we're just seeing it as like, "Oh, that's kind of weird. He like drugged her to make her like guys." Does that make sense? So 
So there yeah. was a lot of controversy over that because it, it just it's questionable in general, particularly so when it's being brought over to um, Europe and the Americas. So Nintendo made the executive decision to rewrite that in some way. We don't know the full extent of it because the game's not out yet. A very reasonable decision from yeah, my perspective. I, I, I would 100% agree. And um, it, it's one of those things where, again, people people start really going censorship crazy here on the one hand, I get what where they're coming from because they want literal. They're like literalists. Like they want literally what was seen in Japan. They want over here, but there are one to one translation is the most boring thing. I, <laughs> I, I would it is. I would agree, and and this is something that again I, is a little bit of a. It's more tab. Is it fair to say that this is more of a taboo issue in America than it is in Japan? And maybe that's why. It's being recontextualized. I mean, it's being probably a little bit. Homosexuality is not taken seriously in Japan. It's usually a punchline. Right, and and you know, I I don't think it's a bad thing for them to say, hey, we're bringing this to another country. Maybe we should change this around a little bit. Like, I don't think that's necessarily. Well, maybe. <laughs> but but yeah. some people seem to be having a, and, a, an issue with it. And a really big problem, I think, when it comes to these censorship debates is that people want to paint everything in really broad strokes and say, like, all censorship is bad no matter what. And I, I mean, I'm not pro-censorship by any means. Like, I don't think that things – I don't think things should be censored needlessly. But I don't think – I think that you have to take it on a case-by-case basis. And that's – I mean, that may seem kind of, like, scary and slippery slopey to say. Um, but I think that you have to look at something – like, when they, when they're con- when they're translating this, they're making a conscious decision to do it. And I think – I said something along these lines the last time we had a similar discussion, but it's not like this is existing in a vacuum where like people are going to see it and not be able to place it in any kind of current movement. And in, in like the, I'm going to use the dirty word, the social justice movement, mm-hmm. which by the way, I don't understand why that's a negative term because social like, justice is good. Yeah, it, I, I think generally all people should have the opportunity to be represented fairly in media. So, well, there you go thinking again, Derek. And what have I warned you about lately? Yeah, uh, it's it's like how feminism became a bad word, and that that doesn't make any sense either. You know, By people but, who don't know what that word actually means. Yeah, I know. I think I think both are negative reactions to subsets of those groups that are either don't have don't hold the same views as you know general or other sex or are really 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 super uh angry and and aggressive about it uh-huh. i think yeah. when people talk about social justice they, they the term is social justice war- social justice warrior it's those kind of people who you know are constantly harping on every little itty bitty thing that they perceive as an affront based on like the gender movement or, you know, the, the gender, uh, uh, sexual orientation movement or whatever. And that can grate on people and it can be like, you know, it's like, take a break, relax. Yeah. And same thing with feminism. I think people have a negative opinion or those people that do have a negative opinion of feminism, it might, it's not all feminism or even the most active or well-known, uh, uh, branches of feminism. It might be, for me, it's radical feminist. I think a lot of people get a negative opinion mm-hmm. of feminism in general because of radical feminism. Mm-hmm. And it's right. hard to say that's just one side, one group, possibly even one person's opinion. That's not all of us. 
Right. It, it's what's amazing to me is that you have this massive pushback in, in culture right now of like, hey, there's a couple idiots at a Donald Trump rally, for example. We don't want to be lumped in with those idiots. Well, yes, and so also feminists, myself included, do not want to be grouped in with some people that are maybe kind of a little bit angrier and maybe kind of screwing up the talk a little bit. Again, there, who would have thought there's nuance here? You know what I mean? Like, and so, so the people that are crying foul about the censorship in Fire Emblem, for example, I don't think they're all the people that are like, oh man, I, I want to make sure the petting minigame is still in the game. You know, I, I don't want to lump all those people in. I think some people genuinely don't want the work to be altered. And so I'm trying to listen to their side of the yeah. argument. I don't necessarily agree with them, but I'm trying to listen to I, their side of the argument. I understand that sentiment, definitely. I I don't think that pe- things should be, media, works, art, anything should be hacked to pieces haphazardly for no reason. But I don't think that there's like some insidious evil agenda behind something like this case, particularly. Mm-hmm. It's like exactly. they are doing what is culturally and socially appropriate for today which is to not make gay romance a joke or something that can be changed at will. Because they still include a gay pairing and a lesbian pairing in these games. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, they're still there. Un, I mean, I was going to say unaltered. I don't know how they're being written in English, but, like, they're there. So it's not like they are excising the ability to have a gay romance where it was already present in the Japanese version. Mm-hmm. They're changing sort of like a weird gray area you know, side situation that may have really gotten under some people's skin. And then, of course, the opponents will cry out and say, like, you know, maybe they should grow thicker skin and et cetera. But I just think that this it's is easy a... to say a, that when you're not the one who uh, course, feels that right? way. Yeah. I think this is this is a deliberate edit that is being done, I think, gener- for, for a good reason. And I think that the edit is being done in good faith and will make the game... For what it's worth, like a little bit less creepy. Mm-hmm. Speaking of creepy, they also are moving the petting minigame, which yes. basically let let you use the touchscreen to rub your uh, preferred partner mm-hmm. and to get essentially get them all hot and bothered. Rub their face. And so, okay. yeah. So this one, my feelings are a little bit different on. So my my personal feelings are that that doesn't really have any place in Fire Emblem. No. I think that that Fire Emblem as a series is with um, with Awakening started moving a little bit closer to as I mentioned earlier on the podcast like that sort of mainstream anime tropiness mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. that I find I find a little bit irksome. I don't like universally hate everything that's made in anime today. I just think that there are some like kind of problematic trends that exist. So I think that this mini game doesn't really have a place in, the, in Fire Emblem personally, and I I don't like it. But I also think that that is actually removing uh, it's actually removing something from the game um, mechanically that I don't know how important it is. But I can see justification for people being upset over this because it's like, okay, you're actually taking out part of the game. You know, it's not like editing text. It's like this is a mode or a feature that's no longer in the game. Do I like it? Would I have supported it? I mean, no. Am I okay with it being gone? Yeah. But I can kind of understand a little bit more why people. I mean, it's it's more silly and frivolous, even though it's creepy, uh, as opposed to uh, the sort of reaction that I would have towards this gay conversion that they've taken out. This is yeah. something that I would, you know, <laughs> I wouldn't want to take part in, but I would roll my eyes at rather than be, you know, uh, kind of uh, shocked or upset over. 
I I don't know. I feel like it obviously is not as risque as those games that have you sensually rubbing a scantily clad girl to get yeah. her, you know, but it is similar enough to that that it makes me squick a little bit. The one thing, though, that I will, I guess, miss is that not the petting itself, but afterwards you would have a conversation with the character using their sort of really cool 2D-esque... Um, the portraits? Yeah, the portraits. It's not like, instead of this the static picture that you have when you're doing normal supports, they're actually animated and move around. And... Some of them, it's still like, oh, you touched me in that way. But the rest of it is like a conversation about the relationship. And it's rather lengthy for some of those characters. And that would be kind of a shame to miss to have that extra conversation with your preferred, you know, your partner, your husband, your wife, whatnot. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if there's a way for them to have that still be there without the mechanics of the petting game. But the rest of it, I'm, I'm like, uh, yeah, I would feel really weird doing this and it's mm. like this kind of thing do you want someone else to see you doing this i definitely not yeah i wouldn't want especially oh god i would not want my parents to see me doing well this. to be fair well, i play all these games on the bus we do behind closed doors that we don't want other people seeing us do so yeah. i mean like i get what you mean but i don't think that's like an end-all justification for it I guess I, I yeah, I, I kind of see it both ways on it. I, and I'm not saying that to be all like, oh, I'm super enlightened on this and I can see multiple views. That's not the argument I'm making. It's like, yeah, I want it to be the thing that that they intended, but at the same time, I do kind of find it a little creepy. You know, like it, it it's skeeving me out a little bit. <laughs> these, like I said, these edits are so case by case, and I, I hate, I, I, I don't, like it when people just say like oh no censorship ever or and again i'm not saying that censorship is okay i'm saying that people use the word censorship to mean like mm -hmm. please give me the creepy lolly stuff and i don't really think that's appropriate generally i mean pedophilia is not okay guys i mean besides being illegal it's just not okay but it was in the game derek it should so, it should maintain i mean i'm thinking about censorship because the people who made the game are taking it out Right. Um, so I'm thinking about like the bravely default costume thing, where they had um, the revealing costumes that they changed to just have a little bit more covering, but were still otherwise in the game, and people were losing their damn minds about it. Like they're they're underage. I mean, I don't really know how else I can frame that. It's like that's just kind of creepy. Please stop wanting to look at underage children, like <laughs> naked. Don't do that, please. Please? That there are laws against it. Stabler and Benson will show up. It, it will get awkward. You you don't want that. Yeah. Um, so now for, for the for fans that maybe uh, didn't listen to a podcast a little bit ago, the reason why why I'm wearing the Rob was wrong T-shirt is because I was being very indignant and said, well, they're going to cut out all the gay stuff. They're they're going to cut yeah. out the gay romance options, uh, and it doesn't seem to be the case now. There is a little bit of confusion now because a couple websites are now saying that the petting minigame is in despite a Kotaku story that said that it was out. So I, I feel like we're almost back to square one where it was like, okay, we know what Fire Emblem Fates is, then we don't know what it is, then we do know what it is, and now we're back to like, well, what the hell's going on with this game right now? Like it's 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 almost frustrating so, in a way. Like like I just want to play the game at this point. We'll all find out just in two weeks. play the game. Play the game, Reggie. <laughs> uh, 
but like I, I I don't quite understand why this is becoming like such a big deal. Like they, like yeah. this, this has become the like poster child. Like can you imagine how bad it's going to get if they take the cross dressing out of Final Fantasy VII? Like like they're they're why has this become such an important thing? And and from my standpoint, it was such an important validation for Nintendo is going to stick by this game. It understands that, you know, the world is changing a little bit and keeping the gay romance options in the game is important, not just to the original intent of the authors, but also because of what it says about our society right now. And I'm so glad that Nintendo is taking a positive stand on that. They could have kowtowed to pressure. They could have said, oh, we're going to take this out, which is what my cynical ass argument was saying. So I'm really, really glad that that they're doing this. And, you know, the petting mini game is one of those things that it does skeeve me out a little bit i probably never would have engaged in it in the game unless i would have to um but i also your your friends are not dogs do not pet them well i mean you know to each their own i guess (laughs) so yeah i I don't really know i I, you know the game's out right around the corner but there's still some stuff that seems up for debate or you know there's misinformation i can't really i don't know i don't know just, just play yeah. the game. Again, we'll find out soon, and uh, I hope this kind of blows over. I, th- I think that much like with the Dead or Alive Extreme Beach Volleyball 3 thing, people are kind of latching onto this for some reason as like a, they want to use it as a platform or, or use it as an example to say like, stop censoring my games! Stop trying to take everything away from me! I think the but, bigger issue there was that the game wasn't very good. Yeah. Oh snap! I don't want to get into that one. I I I did it for you, big guy. I think that was the I think that was the bigger issue with that game. But that's neither here nor there. I've said this before. You know, compare what they're doing to the new Fire Emblem to what Atlas did to Persona One back in 1996, and you'll see that we have never had it better in terms of localization. Right. Mm. Yeah. I think that I think that's a very good argument to make. It's kind of like okay, in, in the middle of all the people losing their minds and all the big brouhaha, let's we let's... used to get half the game cut out, <laughs> right? And that's that's not the case anymore. And that's that's such a positive reminder for people of like, hey, it's okay. Like like we're we're doing okay right now. You know what just came to mind? Funny enough, was uh, did you guys ever play La Pucelle on PS2? I did, yeah. Was, yeah, strategy RPG by Yiponichi. Yeah, um, it's definitely a game about nuns who hunt demons, and they removed religious references from that game. That seems like, to be a problem. Like, the guy, the, one of the main guys <laughs> had a gun shaped like a cross that they, they made into a regular gun. <laughs> like, I how, you gonna, how you gonna have a game though. about religion? Is he, yeah. <laughs> I just uh, so yeah. I think if you if you want to look at some really serious cuts and censorship, you can go back a decade and still find stuff worse than anything that's wow. happening today. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like the religious imagery being taken out of uh, Dragon Quest, Dragon Warrior in America, and Castlevania. And yeah. Earthbound, they took the crosses off the churches. Mm-hmm. So. I, th- I think we're okay. Yeah. I think. Are we going to be okay? I think we're going to be okay. I don't know. I, that, that petting mini game brings so much to the table. It's okay. And this this is an issue on which I'm not afraid to speak my mind in, no. in, in disagreement. And that's okay. But. And again, there's nuances. I, I I guess the only thing that I would do is that the same thing that I do with my students, which is don't let the really rowdy voices on either side kind of sway 
for sure sway you to thinking that that's the way the the other side always thinks like you know i'm I'm a pretty token liberal a social liberal like i get that but you can have really great conversations with people that don't always agree with you on everything as long as you're respectful with each other and kind of like figure out where they're coming from so when i tried to listen to some of the people complaining about the petting minigame being taken out i was like okay what is the real issue here and you know for some people they they want to pet the pretty pretty anime people and that that's fine you know there are websites for that i am not not judging anyone but i think for other people there is a level of like you know making sure that the intent of the developers is there and i i can understand that you know i get it yep Hmm. well I think that about does it for the podcast. Is everybody okay? Everybody good? And nobody's angry at each other? No. It no, I love you guys. Show. It was a yeah. good show. I, I did the right thing, and I took like a two-hour break from Darkest Dungeon and just played some really easy missions while we were, playing, while we were recording instead of trying to fight a boss <laughs> that made me... You ever just scream so loud that you get a headache? <laughs> Jesus Christ. Anybody ever do that? Is that just me? Um, that I can't think that be might be you. That no. can't be healthy, right? Like that that's one of those like me. Yeah, I don't think so. You, you shouldn't do that anymore, I Rob. I don't get that, man. No. I, I I can get mad. I think so okay, so what's the maddest anybody's gotten recently at a game? Because the the only thing that's coming to mind as far as even semi recently was uh Final Fantasy fourteen back when Titan was like the most bitch fight in the game. And he could knock you off the arena, and you just die and can't ever recover from it. Like I remember fighting that that fight for months and never being able to beat it. And which I mean, I guess you can blame me for being a scrub or something, but it wasn't get always good, my fault. Get good, Derek. Oh my god, that fight used to make me so mad. And now now I can steamroll it with like three people, and it's no problem. Anyway, um, for me, I I would say Darkest Dungeon is definitely high on my list. Uh. I, I know I talk about it all the time, but you, you gave me the opening. Uh, probably the Dark Beast Parl in Bloodborne in one of the, the dungeons. Robert, you're... you're... Or... Hmm? Uh, no, 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 no. no. Uh, one of the Chalice dungeon fights is against a souped-up Dark Beast Parl. Oh, my wife brought me Wendy's. I love my wife. Um, so where... you, she really does want you to get fat. Chalice, <laughs> Chalice dungeons something, Dark Beast Parl. Oh, yeah. So... Like, that fight, Robert can maybe defend me a little bit on this. The camera just doesn't work. Like, just flat out does not work during that fight. Yeah. And you get a really good look at his ass the entire time, and that... There was some incoherent swearing during that fight. That was a... I had that problem with Chalice Dungeon Rom, because that, that's just too cramped to um, to fight a character, to fight a boss that big. Rom can go to hell. Rom yeah. can... Have you gotten really mad at anything lately, Caitlin? Or do you um, keep it pretty chill? Oh, I'm sure I've gotten really mad at something. I'm just trying to... Uh, the grind for the anima relics in 14 pisses oh, me well, off. That's like a sustained anger. So That's just constant mad. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's stupid. It's stupid! It is stupid. It's so bad. Anyway... I yeah, was I, think... aud- I was audibly cursing at the uh, boss of the uh, fourth floor of the uh, old schoolhouse in Trails of uh, Cold Steel earlier. Is that the one oh, that don't, don't freezes you? Uh, it's the three that can. It's the three stone statues that can okay. confuse yeah. you. Okay. Uh, <sighs> and I was banging my head against that for a little bit, and then I went back and tried again, and just used a bunch of buffs, and they all just went down instantly. And then I felt very silly. 
strategy. It's everything. <laughs> anyway, I think that that should wrap us up. You guys are making me not want to play Trails of Cold Steel if it's. Oh gonna be come on! There was, there was one fight. <sighs> I do get it. That's you, just, you can very easily manipulate status effects and buffs to your advantage, that, and it's that's amazing just, how well it works. That's just the thing, guys. I'm always angry. Everything makes him angry. I'm his wife. I know. <laughs> Whoa. Oh, my gosh. Hi, Jackie. <laughs> Hi, Jackie. There's, there's a lot of truth in that. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you, everybody, for listening to the podcast. For Derek, Caitlin, and Robert, thank you very much, and we will see you all later.